Well, welcome back to another episode of the Re-Raw Podcast, where the only thing we leave at the door is the bullshit. I'm your host, James Hoff, and this is Real Estate Raw. Today, we're going to talk about the NAR lawsuit. We're going to talk about why you don't need to worry about it. It doesn't matter what the outcome was or is or becomes or, or evolves into. It's all good. And we don't need to worry about buyer's agents magically disappearing. Let's dig in. There's so much litigation that happens every single day where agents often feel like they're fighting for their right to survive, their ability to even exist at a low level within the industry. And I want to just reassure you that buyer's agents aren't going to magically disappear. If a buyer's agent disappears or ceases to exist, it's because that's what they've chosen for themselves. Let me explain. Today, I want to empower you by educating you so that you can understand from a less panicked perspective, if you will, that there's still hope and there's still purpose and you're not going to just go away. Exclusive buyer agency began in the early 1990s. So let me talk about briefly what that means. Prior to the early 1990s, for the most part, brokerages only took listings. They only represented sellers, which means that all buyers who were looking to make a purchase were essentially a customer of the listing brokerage. There's always a few exceptions, but for the most part, that's, that's how the world operated. Brokerages only went after listings, and therefore, when somebody wanted to purchase, they became a customer of the listing brokerage, and that agent who represented the listing really had a fiduciary responsibility first, foremost, and primarily to the seller, which meant even though the buyer would work with the listing brokerage, their first priority was to protect the seller's interest, and the buyer really needed to pay attention to things that were happening and the paperwork and whatever. Now, let's be honest, the contracts are a bit longer now. <laughs> like I know in, in California, I think we're up to 16 pages now just for the, the purchase agreement. Um, they weren't always that long uh, back then, and part of that's because we probably just didn't want to press that hard through carbon copies and all that for, uh, for days and days of, of pages. But Neither here nor there. Prior to the early 1990s, uh, buyers were simply customers of the listing brokerage. Now, buyer agency, you've got to understand, was created because of demand. This wasn't something we magically just pulled out of our rear. Buyers wanted exclusive representation because they felt that their interests weren't protected at, a, at the highest possible level. And they weren't, by the way. They weren't protected at the highest level. They were right. So buyer agency was really created because of demand. Now, fortunately, some brokerages saw that opportunity and, and created that, right? There were, there were laws created around that, and, and uh, opportunity became a thing, right? And we could start marketing not just to sellers, but to work with buyers to help them uh, to negotiate on their behalf, to provide consultation from, from people who understood the, the purchase and sale process, right? So a lot of opportunity was created there. But let's talk about compensation with buyer's agents, because this is really where the, the panic comes into play. Well, buyer's agents cease to exist because now sellers don't have to pay them. 
Let, let's just kind of get one thing really clear. I don't particularly care in general, but specifically for the sake of this conversation, I don't particularly care where you think the buyer's agent's commission comes from. Some some line of thought is that the the buyers are always paying commission and they pay commission for both the, the listing agent and the buyer's agent. Other people's line of thought is is it's the seller that pays the commission. Other thought processes would would uh, support the the logic that it's the listing brokerage that is compensated and therefore the listing brokerage pays the the buyer's agent. I don't care what what the uh, what the courts say. I, it doesn't matter to me how it's all figured out, okay? What I'm telling you is for the purpose of this conversation, it literally doesn't matter because follow me for a moment. In the MLS, it's been required, not everywhere, but until recently in most places, it's been required that there is a cooperating compensation offered to brokerages um, to, to sell a house, which means if, if I were to list a property today, the MLSs prior to now would basically say, Hey, listen, you've got to offer some kind of compensation to a buyer's agent, um, in the MLS, even if it's simply a dollar. Now, I don't know about you, but all this panic about, Oh my gosh, like sellers don't have to pay buyer's agents anymore. Or listing agents don't have to offer compensation, uh, in the MLS to buyer's agents is all ridiculous because anybody that thinks that a dollar or $5 or a hundred dollars to, to list a property or to sell a property and be compensated for bringing a buyer, uh, thinks that that's some kind of livable wage or an opportunity that we should foam at the mouth over is ridiculous. I get it. But the difference between $0 and $5 when it comes to selling a three or four or $500,000 house really doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's all a penny to me, right? And, and I would imagine that all of you listening to this would arguably say the same. So what really changed here? I mean, there's already states for literally years that have supported not offering a buyer's agent compensation in the MLS because whether they foreshadow whether the foreshadowing and they saw this coming, it doesn't matter. Like they just there was there was a policy change somewhere along the way. But the idea is that oh my gosh, these the the all the litigation in the industry and we're challenging whether or not buyers agents need to exist and and now they their their compensation is is at is under is under scrutiny and, and being questioned doesn't make sense. Listen, offering cooperating compensation to a buyer's agent is simply a marketing strategy. Some sellers may agree to do it and others may not. It doesn't mean that the conversation is any different than it's ever been before. Perhaps some agents need to be a little bit more clear about how they uh, discuss that compensation and how they uh, provide options. I mean, Whatever. I'm not going to get into the emotional feels of of the lawsuit, uh, you know, surrounding commissions and and all that. But but the reality is, it doesn't have to impact you because you still need to just be able to articulate your value, and you need to understand that your value is already determined by buyers who wanted exclusive representation to begin with. So you got. So the question becomes, well, James, well, how does that help me? Thanks for making me feel better, but how does that help me? There's still sellers that aren't going to offer compensation. Listen, it, or or listing agents, depending on how you believe that all works. But listen, it doesn't it doesn't matter for a couple of reasons. Okay, number one, some of you believe 
in this idea of a buyer's agency where you have exclusive representation and you put a minimum compensation that you're that you're willing to uh, receive. Uh, in other words, if uh, if a listing is is only offering X, but the buyer agreed that you'll be paid Y, and those and X is lower than Y, then they have to then the buyer has to come up to the with the difference at the closing table. Well, it's interesting how many agents are getting buyer exclusive buyer agency agreements signed and having a commission protection clause in there. Uh, and a minimum commission protection clause, but then they actually get to a point in their search and in the process of negotiating a deal and they figure out that, oh my gosh, they're going to have to execute on that and they come into a problem. And they think to themselves, my gosh, like, I don't know if I can really feel good about this or can my buyers actually afford it or does this limit my options or what's the deal? Then they get upset because they have this thing, this this document that quote unquote protects their commission, but then the agent gets ticked off about the idea that they would have to leverage that document to begin with. Listen, even if you never sign an agreement that has the buyer compensating the difference in commission between what's offered with the list from the the uh, the listing in the MLS and what you know what you ultimately want to make, it doesn't matter. But here's why. Because if the seller by choice chooses not to allow the listing agent or the listing brokerage to offer compensation to a buyer's agent, then the buyer's agent just simply has to provide consultation to their buyer about how we structure that offer. It doesn't have to be like, hey, buyer, you've got to bring all this extra money to the closing table just for me. And here's an extra 10, 20, $30,000 that you have to pull out of your pocket. No, just structure the offer appropriately. Add the appropriate additional paperwork. Add a cooperating broker compensation agreement, as we call it out here in California, but add some of that and, and negotiate some of that for yourself on the front end, right? Note note in the offer in whatever... I'm not here to tell you legally how to structure your offers, by the way, so there's no legal advice given here. How's that for a disclaimer? Just you need to consult with your broker or your real estate attorney um, to, to make sure that this is structured appropriately for the state and the locale and wherever you are, but it's not difficult to add a clause that determines where a portion of the seller proceeds are going to compensate the agent. This isn't like everybody just has to empty their wallet at the closing table. So I think this idea of, oh my gosh, buyer's agents are going to cease to exist because sellers no longer have to pay commission. First of all, a dollar is hardly commission. Okay. And we got to be real about the fact that a lot of people have come to the table most of the time, uh, over the years, even with like a dollar or $5 or $10 or a hundred dollars being offered, people come to the table with their buyers, uh, with an offer that restructures the way that compensation is paid so that the buyer's agent does get paid. There's other folks that just enforce the, the minimum commission clause in their buyer agency agreement, and the buyer does have to come to the table with some money. But you have to remember that a good listing agent is going to advise a seller anyway that there are potential advantages to operating a cooperating compensation to a buyer's agent, and they should be allowed to, uh, the listing agent should be allowed to do that. The listing brokerage should be allowed to do that. So, 
this whole idea that, oh my gosh, nobody's ever going to, you know, no buyer's agents ever going to get paid and we're just going to disappear. Listen, that is a limiting belief. And it tells me that the buyer's agents on average are not confident in the value of the service that they provide. And if they are confident in the value of the service they provide, then they're lacking confidence in the way that they articulate their value or display or show their value. So many agents seem to just show up and expect that, you know, we follow the the basic guidelines like this is just the way that it is. And we kind of fall back on, well, uh, you got to pay me or I get paid because this is just kind of how it always has worked. Right. Instead of actually having to understand how to add value, how to articulate what that value looks like to the people that we represent. So the end of this, the, the easy close to this is very simple. The results of the NAR lawsuit and whatever fallout happens moving forward from this doesn't change the fact that buyer's agents are not going to magically disappear unless a buyer's agent decides that they no longer want to be in the game in that way. Buyer agency was created because of a demand from buyers who wanted exclusive representation. So stop the panic. Stop reading the headlines and and, and, and going through all this like, this frantic mess about, oh my gosh, like, will I have a job tomorrow? I'm not suggesting you shouldn't stay up on what's happening and that you shouldn't understand the lawsuit. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't stay up on big litigation that could have a potential impact on the industry. But the way that that has an impact on you and your business is most often dictated by you. Because this is not a question about whether or not you can be compensated. It's a question about whether or not you understand the value that you should be compensated for and how you articulate and display that value to the client, the buyer that you represent. The job didn't change because of the results of a lawsuit. The job isn't different today because all of a sudden you could go from $1 offered in the MLS to zero. In the same way that some people will, there's always going to be a group of people who would rather sell their own house. There's equally always going to be a group of people that want to list a property for sale in the MLS and offer minimal or lower or zero compensation to a buyer's agent. It's okay. It's just one seller's strategy. It doesn't have to be one that you like. It doesn't have to be one that you agree with, but there is a way that you can structure an offer to be compensated, or there is a way that you can have an agreement with your buyer to be compensated, or there is a way that you could have that buyer and they make and you make a decision together that this doesn't make sense because... you're going to have to look at a different property or other properties who are willing to cooperate differently with buyer's agents. So no panic. Take a deep breath. Realize that you have a value. If you struggle with understanding what that value is like, we should probably set up a call so we can talk about the way that you're articulating that or, or not to your clients and start turning you in to a beast of a buyer's agent and really understand all these agents. Oh yeah, know your worth. And then they're like, "Well, tell me what your worth is. How did you how did you arrive at that dollar figure, that percentage, or whatever it is for your services?" They're like, "Well, because I because I know my worth." Well, that's not it, right? So if you're struggling with what your worth is and how you how you arrived at a number or a figure, we should probably talk. You can always reach out James at rerod.com, and we can dig into the business together and see if uh, we can help you find that value. I hope this is useful to you. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. 
you're still around. You can still be around. And if you dig deeper and realize that it may not be as much of a layup as it was before, but you're now being forced to understand your own value and be able to discuss that in detail with your clients, you're going to be better for it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share this with other agents that you feel could benefit from the information. We'd love to uh, love to hear your feedback or answer any questions that you have. Or hey, if you've got suggestions about topics that you'd like discussed and dug into a little bit from our side, again, email me, james at reraw.com. That's james at r-e-r-a-w.com. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on YouTube or whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on, and we'll see you on the next one. Remember, real agents work. Make sure you're one of them.